Welcome to GLAD, your spatial fix for geography, life, and data. This podcast is brought to you by the Science of Cities and Regions program at the Alan Turing Institute. I'm Daniel Rivas-Bell, your host for today, and I am here at our studios in the British Library with Rachel. Hello. And Levi. Hey. We do something a little bit different every time, but there's always a healthy dose of all things geography, life, geography life, and data. Today, we're talking about things that excite us in this spring of 2023, what I've come to term our SSEs, or sources of excitement for the spring. So Levi, what, what are, what's your main number one SSE? <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to just pick one. I'm just so excited that everything feels like it's coming out from winter when everything's cold and dark and seeing people again. It just feels really nice. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, the days get longer, especially if you live in Newcastle, where the days have been exceedingly short for a long time. The daffodils are poking their heads out. And I don't know, there's something about how desperate we are by the time the holidays roll around. I think if you have anything like an academic uh, life, and then you come back in January and everything is moving super, super fast, and it's kind of nice when it slows down again around February or March and you start to get excited about what there is on the horizon. Things speeding up again. And, <laughs> yeah. And speaking of things speeding up again, there's a lot of things that will make things go quick this spring. Uh, I'm going to bring in my number one SSE or source of excitement for this spring. That's AIUK. Uh, for those of you who don't know, AIUK is the main conference put together by the Alan Turing Institute that tries to bring together the AI community um, in the UK, as the name creatively suggests. Um, uh, just a quick note about why this made it into my number one SSE. A, it is the first thing coming up on the spring. Uh, but second, and possibly more important, it's been a long time coming. AIUK launched for the first time on March 2020. And you may recall or not that the world had different plans for us back then. So then it had to be moved online and it's been um, in its cyber incarnation for a couple of years. So this is actually the first time that we're going to meet in person in a physical space, uh, which is quite exciting for yeah, me. Yeah, that's very neat. Is there anything specific that you're looking forward to about it? Well, since you ask, Levi, yes. Uh, so full disclosure, I am the deputy director for the Urban Analytics program, and we are at the Turing Institute, and we're putting together a few things. There are many things I'm excited. I've picked two, and it's actually cheating because it's actually nine, but it's two types. Uh, there's a panel. We're putting together a panel on the future of cities. Uh, we... I can't announce all the speakers yet, but we do have one I can announce, and that's probably the single biggest SSE for me this conference. We have Malka Older with us, who is a science fiction writer, and I'm a big fan of Malka Older's books, so having her as a one of our panelists is going to be a real high of the, of the conference. And then we're also having eight, no less, demos by different members from the community, both at Turing and the University Network. Uh, you can check them out at ai-uk.turing.ac.uk forward slash exhibitions. If you haven't written this down, we'll link it in the episode notes uh, and you can check out all of them. But I really can't wait for March 21 and 22 uh, to happen at the QE Centre in central London in Westminster. 
Rachel, why are you excited about well, missing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will be missing AIUK. And I have to admit, I'm a little bit sad about that because last year I co-chaired it with Mike Woldridge and it was uh, not even a hybrid conference. It was all online, but everything was recorded live. And that was the first time I'd ever done anything like that, going into a studio and having a little bit of an audience, but really just talking to the cameras. Um, so it's too bad not to get to see it How was that, live. Be before we talk about this year, how was that? Because I, I did watch the, the stream and... For an academic, it looked extremely professional to have someone with real microphones, yeah. very good sound, and, and that is pretty proper much cameras. How, how, how did it, it feel? Uh, I felt out of my depth because <laughs> I, I'm an academic, um, and it was exceedingly polished. There were there were runners between sort of you know the waiting rooms and the stages. There were lots of there's like it was in a hotel, so there was like a corridor of stages, and you can't see me, dear audience, but I'm using scare quotes with my fingers. So there were studios, but these were just conference rooms in the hotel. So it was kind of exciting to like peek your head around the door and see what was going on on stage for these different sessions. And it was the first time that I had seen um, sort of professional MCs or chairs for sessions, mm -hmm. which makes a massive difference co compared to what I'm more used to <laughs> at an <laughs> academic conference. Yeah, so it was exciting and I'm sad to miss it. But I will say, that having to choose between conferences is a choice that we haven't had to make for a really long time. So yes. I'm also just kind of happy to be at a stage where I had to choose whether it's one conference or another. I don't know. How do you feel, Levi? Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have the option. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're sitting there attending two conferences at once on your laptop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and teaching. And teaching. Exactly. So it's it's definitely a different different universe. I mean, AIUK always seems really cool, but um, this year I just can't swing it. Uh, and, you know, that, that happens sometimes, but it does sound like the panel is really neat. I always love panels at conferences because they're kind of more engaging than typical talks. Like, I don't know. It's just more fun to hear more candid perspectives about what people like and what they think. And I think that's, for me at least, my favorite part about going to conferences in general, um, at least the academic part. I think for, for this panel, and full disclosure, I have been on the organization, so I may be partial uh, to these. But one of the things that really excites me is that it's not entirely an academic discussion. It's not meant to be a sort of fully academic knowledge grounded discussion. We have a science fiction writer. We will have some academics, but there will also be people from... Um, city government, and we will have a professional MC. I'm actually really excited, who, who is not <laughs> going to be me, an actual professional. Uh, so I'm really curious to see how it turns out. Um, and that's really the whole vibe of AIUK that attracts me a little bit. That is not, there's nothing wrong with academic conferences, but it's just nice to step out of your comfort zone on, on the conference schedule that you know and love or, or maybe not yeah. uh, uh, and and see something a bit less less structured and, and a bit more more different so well let's get back to SSEs I've got SSEs, an SSE yes SSE number two I have an annual two. SSE yeah my source annual of SSE. excitement yeah my <laughs> annual SSE for over 20 years sort of the benchmark in the spring for geographers is the American Association of Geographers or the Association of American Geographers, as we used to be <laughs> called. Um, but AAG is what we call AAG, it. AAG, formerly known AAG. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the conference formerly known as AAG. And, you know, it's been three years of virtual meetings, and we're back in person, and we're heading to Denver in the U.S. So. Did you do any of the virtual meetings? 
Um, I did one. Um, can't remember which one. <laughs> I um, the first year when we pivoted very quickly our um, geographical analysis plenary, we moved online. That was Serge Ray, and we wrapped him into what was spatial analytics and data. So that talk. We ended up broadcasting as part of the SAD seminar series, but it should have been in person in Denver, I think, right? Yeah, I think so. And it should have been with a reception afterwards. So that was fine. I didn't mind that so much. But then the next year when it was all online, at that point, I had just said no conferences because I just, to be honest, don't get the point of conferences if it's not for the face-to-face. Ooh, that's I know. a Rachel's, take Rachel's hot here. take. And actually, I was thinking about this this morning that um, – I was scrolling through Twitter, as one does, and somebody had said that hybrid conferences should be the norm going forward. And I can see so many strong arguments for that because they allow much broader participation. But they also, if you're a conference like the AAG, which often draws up to like 8,000 people, you have massive challenges around time zone differences for both Mm. participants and for audience. But then I was thinking, and this is really my hot take, we have a format for conversing with people who can't be in person, and that's what we call journals, <laughs> right? That's why we wow. have them. We have them because we're entering in conversation and in dialogue with other researchers around the world that we can't actually talk to in person. Conf- mm. I I suspect that conferences became much more of a thing when transportation costs declined, and it was much easier for people to come together in person. And so... If anything, it argues for the the continued importance of journals and the dialogue and conversation that's happening on the pages of journals, even if those pages are on our screens, but also for the continued importance of being in person. Anyway. I actually (laughs) do like hybrid conferences. Maybe not fully virtual, but hybrid, I think, there's a hidden audience that you don't see in physical conferences that they appear when they're hybrid and the option is that they just don't participate. And I think there's, there's a big argument for um, making a bit of space for those. I also think there's there's this dichotomy. Are we going to make them physical or, or hybrid? And I think we should be more creative than that. There's a lot more opportunities. And I think you know, I'm excited to see whether there will be more innovation in how we run conferences and what kind of conferences we run and whether they will be distributed, whether they will be all in one place. And I think there's just a lot of room for experimentation that we haven't even scratched the surface of. I agree with that completely. Um, If I were to push back, I would say that these conversations actually happen a lot of times between academics and not with the people who actually have to organize these conferences. And the economics of conference organization are already really tricky for the learned societies that have to put them on. And the costs associated with then providing hybrid access are astronomical. And so there are reasons why we're seeing less hybrid Uh, right now. And a lot of it has to do with the costs of having all of those, having all of that technology in each conference room in a hotel. If you're AAG and you've got 60 concurrent sessions over four or five days, imagine how you make that work. And I mean, this is coming from hotels that are already charging you $30 for a muffin, right? So you can imagine <laughs> what they're doing. I'm not very good yeah. but, one, by the way. But anyway, uh, this is not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> we are here to talk about how awesome the AAG is. And so uh, I've got lots that I'm excited about. Uh, Levi, though, you're not coming to Denver. No, no. It's just not working out this year. My spring is 
full of life events rather than academic events. <laughs> so how does that feel? Yeah, I don't know. It's um, I'm really bummed I'm not going to be at AAG. I do, I do love going to AAG and seeing all my friends and colleagues from, uh, you know, graduate school mainly. It's it's the biggest way that we manage to keep in touch uh, is to to meet together at AAG every year. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a big bummer. Um, you kind of just figure out a way around it. You know, you have a little preliminary before conference chat with them and you say, oh yeah, I'm not going to be there this year, but let's call to catch up sometime. And so, yeah. you know, part of my schedule now is full of calls with my friends from graduate school that I'm not going to see at AAG. So there's a way that that works. Do you but, have FOMO? Um, I would say I'm pretty resistant to FOMO, but when oh. it comes to, when it comes to AAG in particular, it's not that I'm missing the event. It's more I'm I'm sad that I won't have the things that I know that I would otherwise at AAG. Yeah. So yes, that's a long way saying yes, you will. It's not that I'm I don't know. I don't know. It's not that I miss I missed like I have a fear when it's when it's happening that I'm missing out. It's more like I'm already bummed I'm not gonna see this person. If yeah, that makes sense. Long and in advance FOMO then what you have. <laughs> yeah, pre preliminary FOMO. Preliminary FOMO. But, yeah, yeah. So it's a, that's that's how that goes. Yeah. I mean when I'm at the AAG meeting which is so large that it generally spans multiple hotels and often a conference center in a very large American city. I mean, these, these conferences are so big that without planning, you're not going to accidentally come across the people that you really wanted to see. So actually, when I'm often at the AAG meeting, I'm not enjoying every minute of it. But there is something about the scale of the thing, right? It's a little bit circus. It's a little bit of scholarly exchange. There's some networking happening. There's as Levi said, tons of catching up with friends. If you went to graduate school in the United States in geography, then you came up with a cohort of people just the way graduate education is organized in the US. And so you've got these friends that you've had for, in my case, over 20 years. And so every year I do very much look forward to who am I going to have drinks with? Who am I going to have dinner with? But also seeing sort of what people are doing for research. So it is a lot social. I was going to say, to, to many AEG is also an opportunity to make those friends. I think as someone yeah. who didn't come up in the PhD education system in the US, I have people I've met, I know from AEG, and I pretty much only sit during the year at AEG. And we do a lot of work together, and sometimes well, we do a lot of similar work, and sometimes it is together, but the, the connection can happen through AEG. And, and I think for early career folks, it's, a, it's an opportunity you know, to meet new people rather than... True. Um, yeah. I'm not good at meeting people, so... <laughs> <laughs> no new people. Uh, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to be at AAG. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. does happen, so though. Sure. You, always, so, you always meet someone who you know and brings along a friend who you don't know. True. And by the end of the dinner, yeah. he's yeah. not and a stranger great. anymore. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's probably how I met you, Rachel. Yeah. Probably. Actually, this is a really good anecdote. Let's I want to get this into the the archives, the Glad archives. I can remember the very first time I heard about Danny Ariba Spell, and it was, I think, the AAG meeting in Los Angeles. And it was I did not such... go to the LA AAG. Ooh, are you... My no, name might have carried over. No, to no, the no, AAG. no, 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 no. Because you were definitely there. San Francisco? What? Yeah, San What's Francisco earlier... would have been. No, that, yeah. no but was... before that, it definitely would have been. There's Tampa as well? Mm. No, didn't go to Tampa. Well, let me tell We're the story. Okay, well, this, <laughs> this will be interesting then because I wonder if we can find out, if we can figure out what meeting this had to have been. It was a big AAG meeting. Uh, and it was that so big. That doesn't filter out many. <laughs> 
Well, it was one of those that were so big and we were in hotels that they had to use the little tiny, tiny, tiny little rooms that are usually hotel rooms at the very top of the hotel. So you were in these very narrow Chicago? corridors. Possibly Chicago. let me tell I think the story. Been Chicago. Yes. It could have been Chicago. And so it was like a narrow corridor with lots of very small rooms. And I was walking down the hallway and I passed Art Geddes, who was a if you don't know who he is, he was a professor at San Diego State University. Um who's pretty well known for sort of spatial statistics. And as I passed him, he said, you're never going to believe it, but I think I have just seen the very best presentation I have ever seen at an AAG meeting. And it was this guy named Daniel Arribas Bell. And he no. has such a future ahead of him. He might be one of the brightest lights. And I had no idea who you were, <laughs> um, but I also thought, wow, I would love our Geddes to tell someone that I am one of the brightest lights in the field. Okay, so what meeting would that have been? I don't know where I would have made such talk. <laughs> I swear it happened. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, uh, and I don't think I even met you at that meeting, and maybe I kind of knew who you were. I don't but know. I do remember my first AAG, and then we can move on from me <laughs> and AAGs, and that was DC. And I remember because it was the first time I went to the US, it was 2009, while I was still an economist, and one of the keynote speakers was Paul Krugman. I remember I sneaked into the room, and that was my fame peak of uh, seeing Paul Krugman at less than 100 meters distance in, in person. I have a really fun story with Paul Krugman in a different uh, conference later that I will not talk, maybe in a future episode. <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say at that very meeting, my daughter was really excited about Paul Krugman and she wanted to go to, she was like 12 and she really wanted to go to his plenary. And she got like 10 minutes in and she's like, I'm just going to go wait in line to get him to sign my book because she was not super interested in the talk. And we have a photo of her. She was like, literally, she waited for like an hour at the front of this book signing. And there's an awkward picture of my 12-year-old kid and Paul Krugman looking shell-shocked at this child with her signed book. Wow, yeah. very nice. Anyway, so what's your favorite part of AAG, Levi? Well, I, I usually like the school receptions. Mm. Uh, those are really fun. Yeah. Kind of I mean, the parties party kind of thing. <laughs> well, I mean, they're, they're kind of parties, but they're also kind of work events because they invite a bunch of alumni networks and you, you kind of get to know how people came to do what they do, the people that they went to graduate school with or they, they you know, worked at at some institution or another. I always find those to be really fun. They're, they're very revealing, I think. I find them re very revealing too, but probably for other reasons in that they they are, I think, one reason why the AAG now has a code of conduct. And they're also a reason why many universities will no longer have parties. So I think they have been very fun, comfortable spaces for some demographics. But I think they've also provided sort of mm. secret, darker spaces where, especially late at night when people have been drinking often free alcohol provided by those universities, that they can be less comfortable spaces for some people to navigate, which I find interesting because I am like you. I love those parties. Uh, I like having informal conversation with people. I like that it feels very relaxed when you're getting to talk to people that in a session, you might get to raise your hand and ask a, a formal question, yeah. but you're not going to have that back and forth dialogue. Very rarely am I talking about work. So it's all of that underpinning, all of that soft infrastructure that we need in our networks to help us um, become full-fledged members of a community. Um, but I also am very aware that I was comfortable in those spaces and not everyone has been. And so I'm, I'm just sort of interested in the same way that we talk about hybrid, hybrid conferences. I'm kind of fascinated at how we change the way we do socializing mm. to help make sure that we're being more inclusive. So it wasn't to sort of critique yeah. the existence of the parties. 
per se, but to say, I'm interested in how we make them work because I love them. I also really, really like them. I mean, there's so much about conferences that does have to change in some ways because of these issues. And it's totally understandable. Like the code of conduct movement is an absolutely wonderful thing. And it is primarily from the industry uh, uh, backgrounds that it started, right? So some of these things are quite important and academia has kind of lagged behind some of the developments in, in corporate conferences. Um, like SciPy had a code of conduct way earlier than I think any academic conference I ever attended. So it's very important that they do so This is they the Scientific Python yes, conference. Yes. It happens every year in Austin. And yeah. the interesting choice of July. Yeah. For a city like Austin, <laughs> but it is it is things do have to have to change. But then also there are so many things that remain the same, and so many nice things that we enjoy doing. How about you, Rachel? What do you enjoy? Uh, well, my favorite I have I have some favorite things. This is a podcast that we're hoping people are listening to and maybe taking notes on. So one of my favorite things, just to make a little pitch, is the specialty group plenaries. So like a lot of very mm. large learned societies, the AAG is organized around what we call specialty groups that allows. Um, portions of this of the discipline to come together um, and form communities because obviously you know eight to ten thousand people is just too much to get a handle on all at once and a lot of us work on pretty small areas so I've always been very active in population for example and spatial analysis spatial analysis and modeling I've been in England long enough that I want to call it spatial analytics and modeling um, transportation GI science so these are my favorite and almost all of these specialty groups will have plenary sessions at the AAG. And they're usually pretty good talks. I mean, a lot of times yeah. they're kind of well-known people. Um, a lot of times they're not quite giving a paper. They're often sort of bigger picture. For example, one of my favorite all-time um, spatial analysis and modeling plenaries was Stuart Father. And it was it was just great because it was entertaining and it sort of you, you I don't know, it with held a your point also. Yeah, I think it was with entertaining point. with a point. Oh, you know what? I'd be hard pressed now to even say what the point was. Because all I remember is the false. Yeah. <laughs> what was the it ten was myths about myths geographic, GWR. geographically yeah, yeah, yeah. weighted regression? Yeah. Uh, so that was great. So, um, yeah. So they're usually great talks, but they're also a chance um, to be in a place surrounded by colleagues and friends. So if you're looking for a particular person or kind of person at the conference, and you're also looking for that more informal setting. These plenaries can be a really good place to go see who is who in a particular corner of geography. Uh, and almost always there's a reception after. So I really like that yes. too, because you stick around and then you get a free drink. And there's muffins. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot of banter. So uh, this year we've got, we not only have a full schedule of specialty group plenaries, but um, Possibly for the first time in history, the AAG has managed to organize them so they do not overlap on the same day. So this is fantastic. So on Friday the 24th, you can go to the Tobler Lecture on Geospatial Data Science. On Saturday the 25th, you can go to the Fleming Lecture on Transportation. And on Sunday, the one that you really don't want to miss if you're heading to Denver, is the Spatial Analysis and Modeling and Geographical Analysis Plenary. This is my plenary as I'm editor of geographical analysis. And this uh, talk is always co-organized with the spatial analysis and modeling specialty group. And this year, we were supposed to have her last year and then canceled when we went hybrid. Um, but this year, we welcome Jennifer Miller from the University of Texas, Austin, who's going to be talking to us about null models and spatial eco ecology. So this is pretty 
exciting. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And there will be a reception. So I don't know. Danny. Well, um, that will be a reception where I hope people will not be consuming too much alcohol uh, because actually the highlight of what I am really excited about AEG is a series of sessions that starts on that Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Uh, and carries on till Monday where we have the sort of summit. There's a panel. So we, we're organizing a, a series of sessions on urban analytics, the future of urban analytics. We have five different sessions on with papers and then there's a sixth that we made a panel. And the panel has been uh, maybe all the good luck that went into not overlapping Tobler, Fleming and spatial analysis lectures went into uh, the panel being allocated on the last day of the conference at 8.30 a.m. in the morning. Uh, so I hope everyone behaves a little bit on Make the Sunday. Make choices, people. <laughs> yes. Uh, we do have on our uh, plus side, we have an, a stellar uh, panel lineup. Um, some of them you may have heard of, and you probably have heard of everyone in that panel. Who do we have? So we do have Rachel, full disclosure. Rachel will be part of that panel. We don't have Levi, though. We don't have Levi, unfortunately. Sadly. We have Seth Spielman, Liz Delmel from Penn State, Seth at Microsoft. Sarah Williams. We have Sarah Williams at MIT. We have Mark Birkin, Leeds on the Alentrian Institute, and Philip Blecky from National University in Singapore. Probably the the... Is it the longest trip to Denver of all of them? That is pretty long. Yeah, yeah pretty far so. away. So maybe I do have an excuse. But yes, we're. I am really excited about that panel, and the, and uh, yours truly as as moderator, which will probably dictate how much I can attend and drink on the Sam lecture. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we have other sources of excitement for AAG? Can there be more excitement from AAG? I don't know. That's already pretty overwhelming. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to compress it, actually, uh, because of AI UK. Uh, I will be arriving on Friday at some point during the day. Fairly jet lag. That's crazy. Yeah. Although, uh, since I've become a father almost six months ago, I feel like I live in permanent jet lag without the traveling. So I'm, I think I'm well trained. <laughs> we'll see. We can check back on the next episode. Well, we're going to yeah. miss you, Levi. I'm yes. sad not to be there. So FOMO. it does seem like it's going to be very fun with a wide variety of things to do. So. See, I think you're going to have FOMO. <laughs> Proper FOMO. Well, it seems like there's something else that might be coming up, at least maybe not spring, but maybe early summer. Yes. So I, full disclosure for the people who are listening to the podcast, when we planned this podcast, I added an a third SOC for the spring, which was the official launch of the science and of the science of citizen regions program at the Alentrian Institute. Uh, that launch is still going to happen, uh, and unless you consider very very liberally the term spring, it probably will not be within spring. So maybe we can talk about it <laughs> a bit later in the in the season of Glad. But that will be mark your calendars for at some point in 2023. It should be good fun. And then, of course, there's the GIS Research UK conference, which is yes. happening, as I recall, GISRUG. in Glasgow. Yes. Okay, before we go on, GISRUG, GIS, GIS, R-U-K, GIS, R-U-K. I've heard all I call possible. it GISRUG. I would say GISRUG, 
but <laughs> I'm not the one to consult on pronunciation. So I always say just regret. People do say G I S R U K. Well, that's a little bit like S R N E S R I. Yeah. Yeah. And many others. G I S R U K is just too long. It's too long. It just is. Say、How、the words. Anybody, yeah. But it does、word. sound like it's going to be a very fun conference.、It、Again,、is. another one that I don't think any of us are going to.、No. I think I might、Maybe. be going.、Mm. Yes, I I haven't decided. I see. I see. I probably am not going to be in in the UK, so I can't、uh. go to GIS. GIS R UK. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's another good geography conference too, yeah, which is、um, uh, GI Science in Leeds. Yeah,、that's、September.、Right. So yeah. we that's, can't that's, call that that's that's straight. 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 Indeed, indeed. indeed. Right. Well, huh? Yeah, indeed. But I guess that's yeah. That's all I've got really on the on the conference front that I'm aware. Of. Yeah. Yeah, but so okay. Yeah, so science not... is exciting though. Yeah, I would、is. think so for sure. But but I want to circle back to the GIS R UK conference, <laughs> Levi. Are you sad not to go to that one either? Like, how do you think about this when you decide about traveling and conferences? I think for me, you really have to. Weigh a cost benefit. If there's a paper that I really want to give that I think would be a good fit for an audience, I'll pick a conference. And so, I know that last year I had a paper that I was dying to give to the GIS RUK audience.、Um, Cheers, Rick. Yes. <laughs> Which and and you know I picked that because I I had a paper. It was coming out reasonably soon that I wanted to talk about. It was a great project with a student from a Google Summer of Code. Loved it. I, I I really enjoyed that. But this year, I don't really have anything like that. And just to embarrass Levi on that one, that paper did get an award. No, <laughs> indeed, got the best、did. paper of the conference last year. Yes, a little bit unfair because it was a, a plenary session to everybody, whereas the、uh, some of the competitors were split up into smaller audiences. So maybe they need to think about that in the future. But yeah, no, it was it was a really good really good experience, and I I knew I heard that I it was a really、that. nice town. Yeah,、oh, it was、uh, up in Liverpool, I think. <laughs> So yeah, it also may or may not have been a super spreader event. Yeah, I wouldn't know because I, I, I talk about FOMO. Yeah, <laughs>、uh, that was the yeah. definition of FOMO.、Yeah. For the audience, I live in Liverpool, which is where the conference took place. But I had also booked a flight to the US exactly five days afterward, which is about the incubation time of COVID, and I did not want to miss my flight, so I just.、Um, Did not participate very much. I did take a lot of walks with people. Levi, we went on a walk. Yeah, indeed,、That's、we、right. went on a nice walk to the harbor. Yeah, dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess thinking about it too, you know, I I did submit an abstract to AAG, and I didn't really try and wrangle into a session. So the fact that I'm not in like、um, a session that I'm super attached to, session, yeah, yeah. It, it it changes your your kind of benefit calculation when you think about what to do or where to go. So, How do you approach this, Rachel? Because I think you you probably rank top on conference attendees. Well, it's interesting because I was thinking as you were saying this, Levi. I was I was thinking that I am curious that you don't see it as sort of a mandatory thing to do going to conferences, and I wonder if that's a UK thing versus a US thing in the sense that. I think if you were an early career, earlier career researcher in the U.S., heading up for tenure, it would be very difficult to make the case for not turning up at AAG because you're thinking about letter writers, right? And、mm-hmm. so you're always thinking about like, will this person have actually heard of me? Will they think that I've been present when they look at my CV and see that I don't go to, com- to especially to geography conferences very often? Is that going to affect whether or not somebody's willing to write a letter for me? And we're a little bit free of that in the U.K., but I like. Conferences, but I think I always would 
in the old days would have had something I was working on. And I think a different thing is that it used to be that that giving a paper was very much about giving something that was work in progress, not something that was submitted or already out, which I think has changed for everyone. Now we just, it's just, do we feel like talking to a bunch of people? So my, actually my new ethos, my mission now is to not give talks at conferences Mm -hmm. at all. Like not put in any abstracts. And if I feel like going, I'm going to go because I want to listen and not Mm. talk. And I enjoy myself so much more when I'm not worried about when I've been scheduled and who's in my session and are my slides ready and I just get really nervous before I talk and so I have found that I enjoy conferences a lot more if I don't have that on my shoulders. I think it really depends on career stage right because I think when you're early career really early career say PhD student the presenting is almost like a like a rite of passage, right? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. But not only a rite of passage, passage, I think it's a really important skill to develop. So it's important. Uh, and I'm saying all of this because I was going to talk about how I think it's good to go even if you don't have anything to present. But I think if you are a PhD student, you should really try to be presenting and, yes, and put definitely. yourself on the stage to to be seen and, and heard. And the thought I've had when we were discussing what to say on, on this part of the podcast was that I think I've started going less because I see them more as fun and then it yeah. it, it takes a bit more of justification. And I, I have to constantly remind me that it is the fun part of the job, but it is still part of the job. And you, I think it is important to, to continue meeting people, to continue being seen by people and presenting things, seeing what others are doing. Because otherwise... You know, what's the point of yeah. research yeah. if it well, never leaves uh, your, your laptop? A complication for me that I didn't used to have to deal with at all was that I would have, so I would go to a couple of regional science conferences a year, and I would go to AAG, and that would be pretty much it. Every once in a while, there might be something extra, but I could pretty much predict my entire academic annual calendar based on NARSC, the North American Regional Science Council meetings in November, AAG in March or April, and then maybe some other conference, like the European Regional Science Conference. What has changed in the last five or six years, and I don't know if it's career stage or just the way we're changing more broadly, is that there's so many workshops. Yes. And you get invited to give talks, and then before you know it, it, it's really, really crowded and something has to give. And I kind of enjoy going places to give a talk or being in a smaller workshop. And so I'm at the stage of actually almost having to weed out the stuff that is less important so that I can make space. Because it's a little bit like you. Like, it is fun. Uh, it is very important for seeing what people are up to, but I can't travel every week. Yeah. Like or they jump in something yeah. else. Yeah, and it's tricky in the UK too, where it's so easy. There are so many things to do in this country because it's such a tiny country. You can hop on a train for the day, go to a like workshop. We did. Exactly. Morning, yeah. Like, uh, whereas in the US, we wouldn't have that so much because it's a f- it's a plane yeah. trip, and so I think there's less routine travel for many of us in geography because we happen to be at often state schools that are in smaller or medium-sized cities further away from the really big cities. So I think mm. that actually geography matters here. Okay, so I am going to say I'm uh, I'm impressed. We planned this episode for running about 30 minutes and we're less than 10 minutes over. So I'm going to call Woo! that a success for <laughs> uh, for the stage we're, we're in. That does it for this episode. I'm going to give you a quick, quick preview about what comes up next. And we don't leave the theme on conferences. We're going to be talking about how to do conferences. How do we do conferences, Rachel? Yes. And we'll be joined by some guests, we think, which will be a new glad experience for us. 
uh, and we'll just have a little bit more conversation, some of which we touched on today, but just how do people approach conferences? And especially if you're somebody who's relatively new to conferences, how do you get stuck in, which is a phrase they really like to say in the UK, but how do you find your way around? How do you know what you're supposed to be doing? How do you talk to people? How do you make use of all the empty bits of time that we often find on our hands when we're at conferences and manage that in a, in a fruitful way? So I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Amazing. Excellent. So really looking forward to that. Until then, Rachel, do you want to say anything? Yeah, we're glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Levi, do you want to say anything else? We are glad you're here. Okay, <laughs> well, stay safe, stay healthy, and see you in the next one.